0: This is Pioneering Today with Upper Skagit's own Melissa K. Norris, inspiring your faith and your pioneer roots here in the beautiful North Cascade Mountains on KSVU 90.1 Community Radio. Welcome to today's episode of Pioneering Today with Melissa K. Norris. And today I'm super excited. I have a guest interview. We have local beekeeper, Seth Smith. And so... I'm really excited to talk to Seth today about bees. Um, For those of you um, who don't know, there's actually um, a lot of buzz, so to speak, going on in the bee world. Um, We're experiencing um, a really high rate of mortality in the wild bee population, um, which is really dangerous uh, to our food supply. Um, as you know, bees pollinate. They a lot most of our fruits and vegetables. So, if our wild bee population goes down, you know you could really see um, cost of groceries going up and very limited supply. So there's a, there's a couple different theories on, on things that are endangering the bees and what's going on. So I kind of wanted to talk to Seth today. Um, he's a very experienced uh, local beekeeper. So Seth, what have you experienced with your hives? Any of the, the, the hive collapse and that kind of thing?
1: Um, it's, it's different. You know, you, the, the stuff you hear in the news is different from what I'm seeing in my hives. Um, I see maybe 5% of a ccd experience
0: okay what wait for the listeners what is ccd
1: is the colony collapse disorder that started about 10 years ago um where the bees just up is up and leave the hive and leave the queen which is abnormal um so it's it's alarming you know you you go into your hives and they look fine one day and next day they're, they're perished um from a business standpoint you can lose half your business overnight, literally. Wow. Um, And that's, you know, for a beekeeper, I can lose a lot of money real quick. For the farmers I pollinate for, they can lose profits very uh, quickly, but over a a year period. You know, we pollinate for apples. They don't find out the loss until the fall. Okay. So it affects them. Right. um, Later. Um, So, and it, it does affect the food prices. You know, bad pollination leads to high prices, or no pollination leads to very high prices and lack of food supply mm-hmm. uh, for the human consumption. Um, you know, will it get rid of all of our food? Probably not, but as normal individuals, we won't be able to buy them. It would, you know, the cost of an apple would be ten to twenty dollars an apple. Wow. Um, if if we lose our honeybees at the rate we're doing,
0: right. Yeah, I actually, um, it was interesting. This year, we just have a, a very small little personal orchard. In fact, we, we I have like about, I think, uh, seven fruit trees, and I have uh, three apple trees, and they're they are very small. They're uh, semi-dwarf anyways. But um, I don't know if it was the weather or if it was because of what's happening with the wild bee population. But this year, I went out when the, the blossoms were on, and there were no bees. I mean, there were none, and so I actually... Um, went online and looked up how to hand pollinate. And so I hand pollinated uh, two of the trees, and I ended up, um, one of the trees, I have 15 apples it, that it actually worked, that it worked on. And that, that's about the normal crop load for that size of tree anyways. It's very much in its infancy. Um, but I was just amazed to see that, you know, just on a little tiny small scale, just in my own, you know, that there were no bees out, so I don't know if it was incremental weather, you know, if it was a little bit cold out for them, or if it's actually signs of the bee population just becoming smaller and smaller.
1: You know, it could be a, a mix of things. Weather is a huge part of um, of beekeeping and and um, agriculture in general. Um, most flowers and like flowering tree flowers for three weeks. Mm-hmm. In that three weeks, if, if you're flowering for let's say apples is in April and it rains during the three weeks, yeah, our pollination is way down. And as experienced by hand pollinating, it's successful but labor intensive. Yeah. Um. You know, you, you go to these big orchards that are hundreds of acres of apple trees, and the cost for the farmer would go through the roof. Yeah. To hand pollinate stuff. Um. But again, in our Pacific Northwest weather, rain seems to hit right when we need it to be sunny. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That seems to be the curse of our
0: weather here. <laughs>
1: yeah. And that's, that, you know, and it seems to be, we're not sure if it's climate change and the trees just aren't adapting to it and the bees aren't adapting to it quickly enough to compensate for our needs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, climate change has happened millions of times before. Um, but we weren't keeping track of it. It wasn't as high priority as it is now. Right. You know, uh, I mean, for app- apples, uh, for instance, they um, weren't commercially farmed 500 years ago.
0: Yeah, there was very little commercial farming. There that, was very that little, yeah, yeah very, a new... very,
1: little. And so we're taking a wild insect and trying to domesticate it, which we will never be able to do. Bees are wild animals; they, they you know, they're stinging insects. Um, they want nothing to do with humans we want everything to do with bees. So <laughs> we're taking their millions of years of evolution of survival and forcing it to work for our needs. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stress on the bees, you know, something that they're not normal to. Right. Um, that's just, you know, so that's why I think we're having some of this colony collapse disorder is stress. And we have other vectors in the hive. We have, you know, the, the, the varroa mite, which it came in the area about 1985 or so in this area mm-hmm. um and it's 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 a big mite compared to it's the size of a dinner plate
0: so can you can you explain to the to for the listeners what this mite does or why it's a, a danger to the bee population to the to the bee's health
1: well the the mite's a big mite mm-hmm. and it's hard and it's it, from a human to a bee comparison it'd be the size of a dinner plate hooked to your side okay and, but it it runs around and it pops holes in you while it sucks your blood, oh, so it's not the sucking of the blood, the bee can compensate for the blood loss mm-hmm. through its its normal well being, right. but all the holes let in pathogens, they let in viruses, they let in okay. um bacterias and and whatnot to get into the bee's system. That's what causes the death okay, and it's really hard to get rid of a mite on an insect. Right. It's not the same as a flea and a dog where we can easily get rid of an invertebrate on a vertebrate. Okay. But you're trying to get rid of a invertebrate on an invertebrate. The chemicals that we've used in the past don't work um, the same way.
0: Okay. So So I recently just read a really interesting article. Um, Those of you who know, I am very against Monsanto, which is a a large uh, chemical company. They're responsible for agent orange and they're, one of the biggest producers of genetically modified food. Um, I feel they're just bad all the way around. And they had a bee summit I saw recently where they were meeting with a lot of the beekeepers. Um, a lot of people feel with the, the rise of the GMO crops and the much heavier use of Roundup and pesticides that when the bees are trying to pollinate these new genetically modified um, plants that actually have some of the pesticide inside of them, Um, that this is also really accelerating and killing off a lot of bees, too. So Monsanto had this big bee summit to try to basically make friends with the beekeepers, and they've developed a product that they feed to the bees, and through the bees' blood, it makes the mites unable to, to replicate. Unable to, um, basically it sterilizes them. But the key is, is when the bees stop getting fed this product that they've made, then the mice just start reproducing and come right back. So then the beekeepers are dependent upon their product. And of course it's not organic. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you heard anything about that?
1: Well, it's it's an ongoing thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and we'll never, beekeepers will never be friends with Monsanto. That's just, (laughs) that's just that's just the way it is, you know, um, we don't see eye to eye. Yeah. You know, we've got our agendas and they've got their agendas. Unfortunately, they're just pushing a lot faster than ours. Um, again, with their, with their GMO crops, it's not the, what they do to it. It's the lacking of what they do, do to it. Um, one thing that people don't realize about bees in general is nutrition. You know, they think if it's just a little bug, it goes around and collects nectar and makes honey. But their nutrition is so complex. That, um, GMO crops don't give up the same vitamins and minerals. Um, they're just, they're lacking, you know, sufficient food, uh, for bees, um, in general. Okay. Um, that goes with the end product, which is the fruit that we eat, which is lacking a lot of the nutrition, um, you know, but it's still an apple's an apple in their mind. Okay. You know, grain is grain in their mind. Right. Um, it pays their bills but doesn't pay our bills when our bees are dying
0: right so have you noticed um any of the the bees um like in yours like um you know i know when the county goes by and sprays of course your hives probably aren't aren't next to that i'm assuming but have you noticed if there's any kind of heavy pesticide use has it affected any of your your hives um
1: hives? yes and no i mean there's there's times where I can suspect it, but I can't prove it-huh you know i have I do have some areas that do get sprayed with the with the state spraying uh-huh. um and that yeah they are they are weaker, yeah, they don't build up as fast um, The hives are at my house are kind of like my nursery hives because they're right on the highway they're exposed to a lot of stuff um so I kind of got pampered with them a lot more. The hives that are away from the highway seem to do great on their own um you know, and I I try to tuck them away from the public's view, mm-hmm. um, just for the safety of them. You
0: know. Yeah. So, how many hives do you have?
1: Right now, we're about a hundred. Oh um,
0: wow. So, how many? So, if you have a hundred hives, then how many bees are in each hive? Then usually
1: fifty to sixty thousand.
0: Oh my gosh! Wow, that's a lot of bees. Yeah. yeah,
1: and that's you know that's key for pollination. Is like a bumblebee nest, for instance, has maybe a two hundred at max. Okay. Whereas a honeybee hive has 50,000, 60,000, so they have the same work hours of the day, so that's why pollination is needed from honeybees, um, because it's just a sheer workforce. You know, the the bees just pour out in the morning, and then they, you know, and they work all day long, and they come in, in after dark.
0: Okay. So what, can you tell me, because I've seen, you know, a lot of local nurseries, especially in the springtime when we need the pollination for all our stuff, a lot of them will advertise that you can order mason bees from them. So Mm -hmm. can you explain to me what what is the difference between a mason bee and its pollination and then a honey bee?
1: Okay. Um, Well, a mason bee is a a very friendly bee.
0: Okay.
1: It's a solitary insect that lives in a colony of solitary insects with uh, you know with other mason bees they like to be grouped together for the i think it's for the safety of their nest okay um but um they're just a solitary insect <clears throat> they, they come out in the spring usually around april right when the apples are blooming and they kind of disappear in june or so they kind of go dormant okay um, so what they do is they find a hole which is in the mason bee um, house design they lay an egg in there and they pack it full of pollen and as the larvae Grows, eats the pollen, and then it puprates inside the tunnel, and, uh, and then the next spring it hatches back out and finishes its cycle. Okay. But they are very prolific uh, pollinators. They love pollinating stuff, especially apples. Okay. They, they really go to the apple trees. Um, the bad thing about them is they only go maybe a hundred yards.
0: Oh. Okay. So they're
1: very really limited on their on their space. Uh, That they can pollinate. Whereas a honeybee will go two, three miles from the hive. Okay. Um, So it's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, But for home pollinators, if they don't want a bunch of stinging bees like honeybees, uh, mason bees are definitely the way to go.
0: Okay, great. So they're they're, they're just very, a short period. So if you have plants that need pollinated later in the season, then a mason bee isn't going to really meet those needs. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's the difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, no, that's fascinating. I didn't know what the difference between those was.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. So... So then if you have a hundred hives, then do you have enough? Do, so do you, can you keep them all at home? Do you have enough no. for them to pollinate or do you?
1: We scatter them between two, three, four miles apart. Mm-hmm. Um, everywhere from Lacon up to Morrow Mount.
0: Oh, wow. Um,
1: and north is up to Everson down towards, you uh, just uh, Sc- Scadget, Line. Uh-huh.
0: So if someone had, you know, some orchard or a plant and they, and they called you up and said, Hey, will you bring your bees up? Then mm-hmm. do you? Do you guys trade? Is that a, a hired we, service, or how do you work we, that? We
1: rent them out. Uh-huh. Um, usually, it's thirty-five dollars a month for for residential pollination, mm-hmm. um, and then that's per month. And if you want it for a whole season, then it drops it to twenty-five a month.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so I'm you know very flexible with the, with the rates, and and I usually look at your what you're needing
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as far as um, if you have a few trees, I. I Judge the cost effectiveness of it, you know. Right. Whereas if you have a garden, you're getting a lot of produce, you know. Um, but it's it varies for the commercial operators, like the Cascadian Farms, for instance. You know, they pay a little higher price, but they get a lot more fruit. Right. Um, so, but we yeah we do offer the uh, the, the rent a hive program, and we're we were working on an adopt a hive also. So if you wanted to. Get your own hive, but you didn't want to put forth all the money that it takes for a beehive. But you wanted to have a hive you can look at, you can take apart, you can um, gain your knowledge of beekeeping uh-huh. with assistance of me. Um, you know, as, as a mentor, um, we have that service in the works also.
0: Okay, that's fascinating. So, so how? How does that, is it, do you adopt it for a certain amount of time and decide, you know, after you've went through kind of the process if you if you want to then stay with beekeeping mm-hmm. or not? And then, so that's kind of.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the rent center type thing where you kind of, you just rent it, you know, and if you don't like it, then we just take it back.
0: Then you take the hive. Yeah. Plant.
1: And that way, you're not out a whole bunch of money. Uh, Beekeeping is very expensive.
0: Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk to you. So, so how, how, um, if you did want to start start a hive, um, I think that the adopting thing is is fascinating. In fact, I, yeah. So, if you just decided that you you just wanted to go gangbusters and just go right into it, can you kind of tell us like about what the startup costs and process is?
1: Um, sure. Um, the average hive. Um, it'll run you about 250 bucks, okay, just for the woodware, which is the box, the top bottom frames that Mm -hmm. go in it. The bees are going to run you between 100 and 130 dollars just to put bees into the box, okay. Um, and then I, you know, I recommend getting a smoker, a hive tool, a bee suit, and I mean, like a full bee suit for a beginner. Um, they sell a half jacket, but the the price is pretty close, so you might as well just get protected, okay. Um and then various other items you'll need. Um, it's, I, I, I put the price on a startup for your first hive, about 500 bucks.
0: Okay. And then, so what kind of care, you know, what, how, what can you look at as like an investment of your time-wise and care goes into taking care of a hive throughout the year?
1: Um, it varies. Uh-huh. Uh, springtime is usually pretty busy. Um, it, you know, it's, like I said, it's rainy and right when we need it to be sunny. Um, so they, they'll need fed sugar water. Okay. Um, just to keep them building, you know, so how
0: do you, how do you feed them sugar? Do you just mix up sugar water and yeah, put it in the hive? And yeah, just it a one
1: to one, one, to one sugar. Okay. Just a simple syrup. Um, and there's feeders that go inside the hive. Okay. And that way you just pour a gallon in and they'll consume it within a day or two. Okay. Um, and that helps them build wax in the spring. Um, helps them, uh, just do basic beekeeping when it's raining.
0: Okay.
1: Um, summer's pretty fun. Uh-huh. You know, you get, um, just go around and see the honey coming in. You can see your high, you know, go out and lift the boxes and um, see your honey starting to pile up. Um, and then fall is pretty busy.
0: And that's the harvest time?
1: Uh, harvest time and just getting the hives ready for winter. And for me, being a commercial beekeeper, it's a lot more than just the average hobby beekeeper where I have to get ready for California for the Almond Pollination. So I have to get my hives you know, set and ready to go in February to get on a semi truck and head some south.
0: So then you send quite a few hives down mm-hmm. to California for to the almond trees. Whatever
1: yeah. okay. whatever's shippable, we should we ship.
0: And then they went then do they ship them back after mm-hmm. the season's over? Yep.
1: 3 weeks later they ship them back.
0: Oh, so that's a pretty short window mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. So how so what what would it entail um if you go if you want to harvest your own honey, how do you go about doing that?
1: Um there's there's a few ways you can do it. You can do a what's called a crushing strain, which is really messy and very cost um, costly to yourself and the bees, okay. which is where you just scrape all the wax off the honeycomb, everything into a to a bucket, and you smash it up, and you strain it out through a colander bowl or a cheesecloth bag or something of that nature. Okay, um, and you get some wax to melt down, make candles and stuff. But um, the bees have to build wax again. Okay, um, so it's you know it costs a lot for them to make the wax. Um, the best thing to do is is come to me. I've got an extractor set up to where you just bring your frames and we extract it out and you take your frames and your honey back home. And it's once you know, the frames are drawn out, which drawn out is the honeycomb that they put on it, um, it's good for indefinitely. I mean, 5, 10, 15 years is not even getting barely used. Okay. Um,
0: so how does the, how do, is it a machine Yeah, It's a, a traffical
1: forced. You know they put them in and it slings the honey out to the outside.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, you know I wouldn't recommend. A, um, you know if you have one or two hives, I wouldn't recommend buying an extractor. It's going to run you five to six, 700 bucks. Okay. Um, again, you know I try to keep the cost down for everybody.
0: Yeah. No, that's great. So if you have, say, you have one one hive, how much honey can you anticipate getting from that one hive per year? Does it vary, or is there an it, average?
1: It varies. Completely. There's some years where I get 10 pounds per hive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Other years, I'll get 120 per hive. Oh, wow. So it varies completely on weather. Um, too wet, and they can't pollinate. Too dry, and there's no nectar in the flowers. Okay. So um, it's just a, you, you, you know, you wouldn't want, want to make a, a loan on beekeeping because <laughs> it would be hard to pay back.
0: Okay. That Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. You've been listening to Pioneering Today with Melissa K. Norris. And you've heard The Fascinating Life of Bees, and that is part one. Hope you'll stay tuned next week for part two of The Fascinating Story of Bees with Melissa K. Norris on Pioneering Today. Thanks for listening. That's it for this edition of Pioneering Today with Melissa K. Norris. Join us next time on KSVU 90.1 Upriver Community Radio.